Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone. My guest and co-host today is the wise and talented Dulé Hill, who you know from the West Wing, Ballers, Suits, and the new reimagining of The Wonder Years. Dulé and I talk about regaining confidence after divorce, how he got out of the friend zone with his wife, Jasmine, the idea of unconditional love, patriotism, and a lot more. For the second week in a row, we talk with a bride-to-be whose father has threatened to boycott her wedding if his demands aren't met. In this case, our caller Angela and her fiancé have plans that don't include a church. Our second caller is Monica, who has given up the idea of getting pregnant after trying for 10 years. Now, as all her friends focus on their children, Monica feels left out and unable to relate. Thank you for listening to our podcast and telling your friends about it. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, we would love to hear from you. Just look for the link at unqualified.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Dulé, I'm so happy to see you. Same here. Will you tell us about The Wonder Years? Well, it's a reimagination of the original, which most people know what the original was, but it's expanding the lens. It's really about the Williams family that's in Alabama in the late 1960s, in the midst of all the turbulence that goes on at that tumultuous time of the 60s. This family, like all families, are staying connected in love, in unity, in joy, in laughter in light, understanding, and they're creating their very own Wonder Years. It's really a coming-of-age story where young Dean Williams, who's played wonderfully by E.J. Williams, is taking a look back on his life growing up in the late 1960s and the life lessons that he learned and really how sometimes the grand things don't matter as much in the midst of day-to-day life and in little things in life become grand things in your own childhood. But as you look back on it, you've learned lessons that have taken you into your tomorrow. You know, there's a lot of story I think that people can relate to. They can relate to it from being kids themselves and looking back on their yesterday. I think people can relate to it from the parents and the parents' journey and understanding as you're looking at it from a different lens now, an older lens relating to that. Mm-hmm. Even though it's about a black family in Alabama in the late 1960s, I think there'll be a lot of connective tissue that people could relate to and also understand how sometimes experiences are unique to this family as well. I was thinking about actually how important it is right now to have the reminders of our history. And sometimes it needs to be fed, for lack of a better descriptive, in a gentle way, perhaps? Yeah, I completely agree with that. Entertainment, television has a lot of value in that it can expand our point of view, expand our understanding of someone else's journey through entertainment. You know, with the one DS, I think there is those moments that can be enlightening to the audience in the midst of the humor, in the midst of the entertaining value. That's right. To understand how a journey is different or similar than what we all know. You know, I often say that the Wonder Years belongs to everybody. And that's what I do appreciate about being a part of this reimagination is that it's expanding the lens. And really and truly, I don't think it should end with a Black family in Alabama. I think the United States, America is a great melting pot. And there's so many powerful stories that can be told. 
And the more that we do that, the more we expand the lens and explore those stories, I think the more we can understand and relate to each other. So hopefully shows like The Wonder Years will help bridge gaps and heal divides and things like that. I mean, it's a grand wish, but that is a part of the reason why I wanted to do this show was to be able to let people experience something from a different point of view and hopefully be able to connect to it in a different way. It's always felt important, although sometimes I think about our art form as being essentially useless, but it isn't. Right. Oftentimes I say we play make-believe. Right. I do faces and say words. <laughs> we say words. Let's not take ourselves too seriously. That same thing that we were doing when we were five and six years old, how uh, my little son right now is pretending, that's what we do for a living. At the same time, though, in the midst of that pretending, we are holding up a mirror. We are being reflective to our society. And it can have an effect to change minds, expand minds, and let people relate to something in a different way. I think there's a difference between watching a documentary or even just having someone tell you about the experience. I think there's a different way of receiving things. I think there's value in both. Definitely. We need a close-up sometimes to watch someone absorb a moment. Mm -hmm. What is your relationship with the idea of patriotism? I feel that it has been hijacked. Yes. I really do. And now, to me, patriotism is only if you are ideologically aligned with a certain group of people, you are only willing to walk that path. And it really is about, for lack of better words, fuck everybody else. It's about us and what we want. And if you're not getting in line, then you're not patriotic. But really and truly, I believe that this country was built on being outspoken, built on speaking truth to power. We rebelled against England. Yeah. So it's like the patriots, quote unquote, that we always hail up as being the founding fathers and this and that, they were rebellious and saying what's happening is not right. And we need to rebel to get our freedom, to be able to fully live out ourselves, our humanity. But nowadays, if you challenge the status quo, you're unpatriotic. It's like, when did the idea of critique become an unpatriotic idea? The founding fathers, they were, in today's language, would be unpatriotic because they challenged the status quo. They said, this is not right. We need to do something different. Even where the Wonder Years is set in the late 1960s, Dr. King was considered unpatriotic because he was speaking truth to power. And somehow that has carried over now where anytime you critique a certain lane, it's unpatriotic. I don't have the answers on how to fix that and how to bridge that gap or how to even reclaim the word patriotism because no one has ever called me a patriot. And it's funny for myself, when I hear patriot now, it kind of makes me cringe. To a certain extent, it's kind of conservative Christians. Like I'm a Christian myself or evangelical Christians, let's just say. I love God. I love Jesus. You know, I know that he died for my sins. I've done many things wrong in my life. So I myself am thankful for the love that's extended to me. And that's why I extend love to people. I try my best not to judge people because until you walk in their shoes, you don't really know what it's like. A lot of times when I see, quote unquote, Christians who claim to be Christians, their actions, it makes me cringe because I don't see love in action. I see hate in action from, quote unquote, Christians. So it's kind of a similar thing with patriots. I don't see them fighting for freedom. I see them under the banner of freedom, but really it's selfishness. Really, it's freedom for me, not freedom for you. I want what I want, not equality for all. And I believe that true patriotism is so that we can all be free. We can all have equal opportunities to provide for our families and live out our lives to the fullest. And it shouldn't come at a detriment to me just for you to be free. One of the complicated things about being human is our desire for self-righteousness and how we battle against that mm -hmm. in terms of how we view our own selves. I think maybe we could all use a little humility to some degree. Mm -hmm. I thought about this question because of the West Wing attachment do people come up to you with emotional nostalgia in regards to that specific show? Yes. 
for myself, I appreciate that there is an attachment there. And then my hope is that it can always be something that inspires people that we can get back there. If we've not been there already, then we can get there. If people feel that we've been there before in terms of our country, then we can get back there. I appreciate that the West Wing is a, for lack of better words, it's like a beacon of light. We can be like this. We can try to really tackle complex issues and have respectful discourse about an issue and fight for what's right for all. We can do this and we can have brilliant people in power who are really trying to do what's best for the nation instead of themselves. I hope that it can be something that is always there to be a marker of what we can be. I say often representation matters and you need to be able to see something to be able to achieve something. So with the West Wing, I hope that people can use that to be able to see it. Say, you know what? This is what it can be. I know that that's television, but we should be aiming for something like this. And if it's not lining up to something close to this, even if it's not ideologically the same, the way that they are solving their problems should be in this vein. Dulé, will you tell us about three things you're really proud of? I'm really proud of my daughter, Kennedy. Why I'm so proud of her is because she continues to amaze me at the young woman that she's growing into. I mean, she started playing volleyball maybe now four years ago. I mean, she played in middle school just to try it out, but she started playing it seriously about four years ago. And the dedication that she's shown in that area and the skill level that she's grown into, her team won the national championship two years in a row. And I remember even with high school as a freshman, we were going to Italy and she had a chance to go with her team to Hawaii to play in her first tournament. And after that tournament, she ended up joining the varsity team as a freshman. But she gave up that trip because she wanted to be there for her teammates and wanted to sow into this thing that she wanted to achieve. And seeing her achieve it has been really amazing to me. And things like that, in the midst of all of what was going on in the summer of 2020 with all the racial uprising, was really affecting her. And she leaned into it to start expanding her point of view and being more vocal about what matters to her. All those things really inspire me. And I'm so proud of the young woman that she's growing into. It makes me a little bit emotional that this is the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, yeah. How beautiful. Thank you very much. And it's in no order. But number two would be I'm proud of my wife, Jasmine. I'm proud of the journey that we have taken to find each other. It's a second marriage for the both of us. We've both went through heartache. She has come through so many challenges in her life. She did not have the best upbringing. And to see where she has landed up to this point in her life is really inspiring to see. Again, during the summer of 2020, she was sitting there on the couch and she said, we need to sow love into people's lives, like children's lives. We need to fill them up because there's so much hate going on. There's like a void of love and self-acceptance and I should write a book. And she did. She did. <laughs> she wrote a book that just came out a week ago called Most Perfect You. And I've seen how the children have responded to it. She read it to our son's class and they're like, my eyes, my mouth, right. my skin. My hair, like you can see this self-acceptance that is being planted inside of these young kids' minds and hearts. Again, it's something that I'm so proud to see. Like in the midst of all the challenges that came your way, knowing the lack of, I guess, the holes that were inside of you, in the midst of what you saw happening in the world, you said, you know what? I don't want another generation of children to come up with these gaping holes. So I'm going to do what I can to sow some seeds of goodness because there is a lack of love, the lack of self-acceptance. There's these gaping holes of doubt inside of people, insecurity. And I want to do something to fill that up. And you did it. Yeah. I love seeing her soar in the midst of an upbringing that was a struggle. My third thing, quote unquote, that I'm proud of is, of course, Levi, who is our three-year-old son. He is such joy. He's filled with so much love and kindness that it reminds me that there is something good in the world. We can bring up good souls in this world. It reminds me to keep looking at the world through a child's lens and keep learning, keep being in awe, keep asking why about everything. Because if we can stay inquisitive 
and keep leaning into that, you know, we might be surprised and blown away by the answers we come up with. Being with him for three years now, I'm really just proud of who I can already see he's growing into. I had my son, who's nine now, at 35, which Mm -hmm. apparently was a geriatric move on my end. I really value being slightly older with him. Mm -hmm. And I bet you must feel the same way. Definitely. I mean, full disclosure, I adopted Kennedy right after Jasmine and I got married. I came into Kennedy's life when she was 10 years old. And for myself, I thought that this reality that I'm living now was off the table. I did not think that it was possible with my ex-wife. When we got divorced, I never thought I was getting married again. I said, you know what? I'm done with all of this. This is all stupid. The way this is all playing out makes me want to bang my head against the wall. So for myself, I really just kept everybody at arm's length. I'm going to put up my walls and we'll be fine. But then I met Jasmine and little by little, we were a year being friends before we kissed or anything. And that made all the difference in the world for me to allow myself to be receptive to love. During this time when you felt your defenses were high, how did she infiltrate? By being a friend. We just met at the right time and the right place. She was a regular on the show, Ballers. I was a recurring character. And we would just get together and have dinner. She wasn't interested in dating any of her castmates. And I wasn't looking to have a relationship. We would talk and talk about her hurts and my hurts. And we had no agenda. We didn't come saying, oh, yeah, we're trying to see what's happening here. We really would just talk. And that allowed the trust to then be built. And as time went on, then those walls started to come down, started to allow myself to trust this person more. And then as that type of love started to grow, I allowed myself to lean into it. I want to know about when the flirty switch happened for you. The first time I noticed that happened when we were in Miami. I, mean, I always knew that I liked spending time with her. And the more I spent time with her, I kept wanting to spend more time with her. But there were times we were in Miami, we were on this boat party. It was like myself, Jasmine, and a few of our other ballers castmates. I love this. The visual is awesome. <laughs> you know, we were, <laughs> we were all there having a good time. And she was like dancing around. She's like, I'm with all my brothers. I'm with all my brothers. And I leaned into her and said, I'm not your brother. <gasps> that is so sexy. <laughs> I, said, I said, I have a brother ready. I'm not your brother. And then she very nicely danced away from me. <laughs> but Did it make you nervous or you already knew each other well enough? Yeah, this was like six months into our friendship. I had known her for a year at that point, but this was about six months into our friendship. I just knew that when she said that, I didn't want her to look at me in that way. It was almost like a reflexive thing to say. Exactly. At that point, I didn't know I want us to be a couple. I just knew when she said that, I did not want to be a brother. I'm always about clarity. Let's be clear. I'm not your brother. (laughs) And then we didn't start even dating till six months after that. We still would go out to dinner and stuff. And then one of my friends passed away. My friend Scott Kay, he was a jeweler, and he suddenly passed away, and I was heartbroken. And I remember the first person I wanted to call was Jasmine, and I didn't. The ability to recognize a gut feeling is kind of amazing. I love it that you clocked that in yourself. I did, and later on, maybe a couple days later, I told her, you know, what had happened and then how I wanted to call her. And she said, you can always call me. It landed inside of me. And then a few months later after that, I'm in Jamaica for my family's reunion. And something inside of me kept saying, go to L.A. next. But I told my mom, I said, you know, I think I'm going to go to L.A. next. There's a lady out there that I just want to spend some time with and see where things go. And I came to L.A. And by the time I next left L.A., which I don't know when that was, we were a couple. She was like, you're home, baby. As I say, the rest is history. Because we are going to be talking to callers and give advice, I like to talk about a personal struggle or heartbreak and how you recovered from it. I mean, my first marriage, that divorce really broke my heart. Did it come out of the blue for you? 
it didn't come out of the blue. If I look back on it, then it's like you can see it was deteriorating over time. But when I first went into the marriage, I never thought in a thousand years that I would ever get divorced. And by the time you get to the point where you realize this is not working, this is not healthy for me, that was heartbreaking for me. Having to dismantle this thing that you were trying to build, it really broke my heart. Ah. Without getting too much into it, there is the law of the matter. And that side of it really got to me too. This was all happening at the end of my psych years. So the series was ending, my marriage was ending, and those are two of the pillars of stability. And for them both to be ending at the same time was extremely challenging mentally and emotionally because I had no idea of what was next. All of it just broke my heart. I guess I'm a believer of if you try to give your best, then it's all going to work out. But in the moment, it was hard to see how it's all going to work out. But I will say, if we could just keep walking, if we can just keep putting one foot in front of the other and get a decade down the line, it's like night and day, the emotions. Yeah. I really appreciate your story about your divorce because we do have to remind ourselves about the idea of time. And we do have to trust the idea of change. Mm -hmm. I think that's just important. Mm -hmm. Before you met Jasmine, going through your divorce, were you like discovering new things about yourself? Were you like, who is this dude? Honestly, for myself, I was really trying to regain my confidence in myself. I just had so much self-doubt happening because the ground was just shifting on me that I was really trying to find my legs and say, for lack of better words, I need to get my swag back. Yeah. I've lost myself somewhere along this way and I need to get comfortable again in my skin, owning myself and being who I am. And then let all the other chips fall where they may instead of trying to contort myself into being something for others. That was what was going on for me at that time. I was trying to redefine and refine myself. I completely understand. Once I went through my divorce, it was whatever is clever. I was down for whatever. As long as it didn't cause stress, count me in. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. But after a while, though, I knew that that couldn't last a lifetime. This is not the type of life that I want to live. I don't want to be this guy. Don't get me wrong. It's been fun for this window, but I know that this is not really me. I want more than this. Life has to have more than this. I always say love is unconditional. So to me, if I have to be in a certain lane for you to love me, then you don't love me because I truly believe love is unconditional. Relationship is not unconditional, how we relate to each other. But love is unconditional. If I love you, then I should continue to love you. Love can change and love can evolve and how I love you can be different. If me being in relationship with you is not good for you or good for me, then that relationship needs to change, but I can still love you. Totally. But in the midst of love being unconditional, I also think that it's unending. I don't think that I have this much love to give and that's it. I feel I can continue to spread love to people. And if I continue to do that, it's going to come back to me and it's going to continue to be filled up in one way or another with love. I know I have my own insecurities. I know I have my own things that goes on inside of my own mind, my own neuroses and all those kind of things. So when I come across people, I try to just see them. Yes, you have always made everyone feel seen. I think it's important, though, because that's all we really want. And I'm going to tell you one other thing, too. I'll never forget when I was doing Bring a Noise, Bring the Funk. Me and Savion have known Savion since I was 10 years old. We started a tap dance kit together. But during Bring Noise, Bring the Funk, you know, he was Savion Glover the tap phenom, and rightfully so. He was getting all the accolades and this and that. And because we were tight, I would roll with him to many places. 
but people oftentimes didn't have the time for me. I would get the soft handshake or the, hey, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah, say, so boom, 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 boom. I mean, that went on for a while and I was very aware of it. And then coming to LA and then doing She's All That and Freddie Prinze and I were very close. And it was the same thing, being around Freddie. Yeah, I was in the movie, but I wasn't Freddie Prinze. I never understood that. Does it cost you that much to just acknowledge somebody? So I think as life has gone on, I've tried to be what I felt I didn't receive. Also, when I got on the West Wing, seeing Martin in action helped me a lot. Obviously, it was Martin Sheen. And the way he would treat people, it didn't matter whether you were President Clinton, because I was with him when he met the president for the first time. And I've seen him when he met a random fan who came by because we were filming. He treated people with genuine respect, genuine love, genuine interest. He is interested in people. In his mind, it didn't come across as, oh, you're somebody I should give energy to. You're somebody I should give energy to because you exist. Not the label that's put on you, oh, you're the president of so-and-so, or you're this big wig. It was because you are a being and our paths have crossed, I can give you my time. Sometimes it would be frustrating, I think, to some of the, like the ADs and stuff, because if we're on location, he would go through and shake everybody's hand. And sometimes they'd be like, you know, sometimes he thinks he's a real president. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but it's genuinely Martin, though, of wanting to connect with people and let people know that they matter, that they're here and I see you. And that goes a long way. It says a lot about you that you acknowledge and recognize somebody that you've learned from specifically, especially from just simply observation. Mm -hmm. I think it's just important that we see each other. Okay, so now we're going to talk with Angela. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Angela. Hi, Anna. I'm here with Dulé. Will you tell us what's going on? Yeah, it starts off happy. I'm engaged. Um, my fiance and I got engaged last May. And I've kind of been in the trenches of planning our destination wedding, which is exciting. But like a few weeks ago, my mom had told my sister and I that my dad was essentially heartbroken that we weren't getting married in the church. And had said that he doesn't even know if he wants to come to the wedding. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've come to the conclusion over the last few weeks that I still don't want to get married in the church. I grew up Catholic and I kind of have my own reasons for not wanting to do that. So that's decided. But now I just feel like it's kind of the elephant in the room. And it's made me like really, sorry, <laughs> 
I don't know. I think it's been heartbreaking for me to hear that, that he would even verbalize that out loud. And it's kind of coming through my mom as like an extension. And it's a little annoying that way too, because like you didn't even tell me that to my face. So I don't know. I just noticed that over the course of the last few weeks, I've just been really avoidant, which is really weird because my family is pretty close. So more so I don't like to respond in the group chat or I don't want to text them one off in case it comes up and haven't really felt comfortable even going to their home. So I think before it was really a question of, do I just try to do something simple to appease them? Like do a simple church wedding and then go to your destination? Yeah, I don't know if that will help or if it will just make me more resentful, I guess. Of course. What's your regular communication like with your father? Usually it's just casual texts. My family's local, so I'm able to visit them kind of often. And so usually we kind of touch base in person if we can. I obviously know it's important to them. They're very traditional, very Catholic. But my fiance, bless his heart, he had even gone to like the classes at the church just to kind of see what it's about. Mm. I love that. And it was like a group that my dad was leading. And so he did that for a few months. But for me, it was like, I don't need you to convert, want you to convert. It's not what you believe in. Oh, gosh. Dad's on the brink of retirement. I don't know where your dad is. They're so needy all of a sudden. (laughs) Where is your destination wedding? It's in Mexico. So a lot of times with destination weddings, you kind of have to get married locally first. So I think part of me was thinking, you know, I have to do a civil ceremony anyway. Is there a way that I could layer that in? Does it matter? But it's just been adding more stress to what's already a stressful time. Totally. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, everybody shows their hand during (laughs) wedding planning. Everybody does. Oh, yeah. It all comes out. One, I can understand how frustrating it is and how hurtful it is, too. I was talking to Anna before. I truly believe that love is unconditional. And love is also action. If you're extending love to me, then you should be loving me exactly where I am. If I don't want to be married in a church, even though that's what you want, it's my journey. Oftentimes, parents try to force their lives onto their children's lives. And I think that is often a major, if not fatal, mistake that parents can do instead of giving you my thoughts and then letting you run your race to the fullest. I would hope that your father's statement of that is only really a threat and not something that he would follow through with. Because once your daughters get married, that's it. And that's a moment that you'll never get back. So I hope that if your father ever hears this, that he takes the time to think about that. And you spent a whole life raising your children to then now miss this moment. And you will regret that for the rest of your life. He will. I think once you do what you want to do. Totally. It's your wedding. It's your marriage. And you will have to start building your life. That is challenging. I've gone through my own stuff with family as me and my wife have gotten together. And it's hard to start carving out those barriers to say, we're not you, we're us, and this is how we are doing it. But also, as time goes on, those barriers end up being respected. So I think it's important that you and your fiance decide what is right for the two of you and what is it that you want. If you did want to appease in any way and you haven't chosen a location yet, Then maybe like my wife and I, we got married in Guatemala, in Antigua, and we got married in a convent that was a ruin. So maybe it's like, well, it's not a current church being used, but it's an old church. You know, know, maybe there's something like that that could hopefully appease him in some way. But at the bottom of it, I think you do what you want to do. And I think this runs deeper, too. You know, like we pick these avenues to focus on when the real stress is larger 
And he's chosen this avenue of stubbornness. Yeah, that's the right word, stubborn. He's very stubborn. You know, there's a lot of barriers that really wouldn't even allow it to happen. My fiance is divorced. And so technically they can't get married in the church, even aside from the Catholicism of it all. Well, we're both divorced. I'm divorced wise. (laughs) Yes, yes. I've been divorced once, so. Yeah, so I'm the experienced one here then. (laughs) (laughs) Tell your fiance that the second time around from my side is great. (laughs) So he's going to have a good old time with you. And what a show of support that he went to the Catholicism classes. Yeah, I tell him that too. And it was a time commitment, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful. And, you know, to my parents too, it's like, I'm very blessed to have had them and they raised me well and they supported me and everything for the most part. So it was almost like wanting to make sure that I'm showing them my gratitude, but also knowing how and where to draw the line. And I just don't even know how to bring it up because he never told me directly. I know your mom's position is weird on this too. Yeah. Is your mom saying she's going to be there? She said she bought tickets, but it feels weird. It's almost like with all of the planning conversations and stuff that we're doing, it's like an unsaid weirdness in those convos because no one's really said out loud that we're not doing it. My sister and I both just been kind of avoiding the conversation. That was the other thing I was going to say that I know it's hard. It's going to be hurtful even, but you have to have the conversation. And then you have to truly say how it makes you feel that they are even thinking about not coming. You said how you appreciate them and this and that, but you're also trying to forge your own path. And it would not be the same without them being there. And you hope that they would be there, but you have to live your life. But I think avoiding it and staying off the chat group and not really wanting to have the conversation is not going to heal it. It's going to just be left unsaid. And I've learned that through my own experiences of sometimes you got to say it and just let it be what it's going to be. And it's going to be painful. And some things may be said in that conversation, especially if your dad is stubborn, because I have a stubborn dad. But you have to get through that in order to get to the healing. And I would just let him know how much you want him to be there. But also you need to be yourself. You need to run your race. But hopefully what you say can land in his heart and he can get beyond his own thing to say, no, I can't miss my daughter's wedding. Right. How would God look at me? How would Jesus look at me if I said I'm not going to my daughter's wedding because it's not in the church? I mean, Jesus went out to all the places they said he wasn't supposed to be. I say (laughs) things like that all the time. It makes my mom mad. (laughs) But it's true. And and really, if you want to get to scripture, it's like, well, the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So I know we have built churches, but he's the creator of it all. So when you say that kind of thing, their minds aren't open. This is like our daughter's not getting married in the church. And this is the most devastating thing that's ever happened to us. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It's interesting what faith is, right? Because it's like a very strong belief in the same way that I have very strong beliefs about other things too. So I think it's really that at its core, like some of the stuff doesn't make sense to me. Some of the stuff does just because I grew up with it and it's learned and it's embedded in my upbringing. But a lot of it really felt just like tradition. Religion has too often been weaponized. And we hide behind this piousness this religiosity of something to really force our opinions on people, control people, sow seeds of hate and things like that. But I think when people are truly living out their religion, then it is a healing place. It is a place of freedom. It is a place of love, a place of understanding, being able to see that we may disagree and still extend love through it all. Even in terms of your father, it's like, yes, I do want you to get married in the church. That's something I would desire. However, I still love you and I will always be there for you. And I will be there to see my daughter get married. Angela, two things that I can think of. One, you're getting married in November. 
so we still have some time. The drama came on hard and fast. They are behaving immaturely, in my opinion. You are entering into the stage of life when the children become the parents to their parents. This is about control and belief and security and aging and retirement, all of these things. So I do think that time is on our side. I believe that they're going to be at your wedding. I do think they unfortunately need to kick up a little dust storm for a minute. And I'm sorry, because that is fucking painful when you want to just celebrate and think about going to Mexico and having everybody you love on a beach. I think it's a little bit sabotaging of your mom, like your mom's position here. She believes it too. She wants it too. But she's blaming it on your dad. I don't know if she's blaming it on him. It sounds like something he would say. And it sounds like something he would do to say it to her because he knows it'll get to us. Oh, interesting. So this has been the pattern. Yeah. It's important to have the conversation. And honestly, the sooner you have it, the better, because being that the wedding is not till November, there is time for the conversation to land. Once you have it and you have your disagreements about it and you clearly say how you feel and what you desire, then it's time for it to ruminate and then let them figure it all out. Yeah. If you wait till October, then all the emotion is still there. And then it's like, no, I'm not going. I wonder if it's a letter in giving them a ton of compliments. When your parents become your children, they need to have a ton of compliments. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a conversation or a letter, you maybe don't even have to get the church too involved. I love you guys. Here's what you gave me. You gave me this. You Mm -hmm. gave me this. You taught me how to love well. And I'm so proud of you. And I really hope you're proud of me. I really want to get married in Mexico. It will be really hard to not see you there. So I really, really hope that you reconsider. But as you know, these are my decisions. This is where time is our strength. Because they may absorb that and be like, well, God, this is confusing. I like the letter idea more so because I turn like this <laughs> when, it, when I like have to talk about it. Right. And you need to be heard. And they won't hear you if you're just talking to them because they're not used to it. You need your points of how much you love them, what they gave to you. And to be heard at the top, they need to absorb that. And then you can say without too much guilt, because if they don't come to your wedding, you will still have a fucking awesome time. It will be heartbreaking, but you'll survive it. And you are forming a new partnership. Is there something to writing the letters so all your thoughts are very clear about how you want to translate the message? but then bring it to them and being there with them either while they read it or while you read it to them. Because I think there's also power in your emotion. There is something in human interaction that I think can affect people. Like when I can just see the pain on your face, I don't want that for you. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we try to distance ourselves from something. So if I don't see how it's affecting you, I can turn myself off from it. I think there may be some power in clearly having what you want to say written down and either just being there and letting them read it or read it to them. And even before you start reading to them, you can say, we don't even have to discuss it now, but I want to read this to you and I'm going to leave this here with you. And once you read it, I love you and we can pick it up later. If you just send the letter, then it leaves it on them now to come back to you. Yeah, I love that. That's a good idea. And let your theme as you think about these things be, I really hope you guys are going to be at my wedding. They'll try to direct it back. It breaks our hearts. You're not going to get married in the church. It just is devastating to us. Keep your mentality of, I really hope you're at my wedding. Mm -hmm. And here's why. Oftentimes when I get into disagreements with somebody, it's less to me about saying why I don't want to do what you want me to do and more about why I want to do what I want to do. 
which is two different ways of approaching the same conversation. Exactly, Delay. As you're expressing yourself to them, it should be, one, why I want you all here with me at this moment of my life. And then two, this is why I want to get married here. It's just two different points of view. And even dealing with what Anna was saying, it's directing the conversation to where I want to go. And it frames it in a positive way versus bringing more negativity to the conversation. Correct. Yeah. You're going to have a blast. You're going to be in Mexico getting married with all your friends. It's going to be rad. I hope for you that this wedding symbolizes your new partnership. This is what you deserve. This is what you should have. This is what you should revel in. So focus on those things. If I were friends with your parents, I would tell them, this is a moment that you want to get beyond yourself because you have three children. And if you were not there for all three of your children's weddings, moments of transition in their lives, you are going to regret it. For the rest of your life, you will regret not being there. So I hope that when they hear how much it means to you for them to be there and when they hear why you want to do it in Mexico and at the location that you have chosen, that they can realize that this moment is not about them. There is time and things will shift for sure. I want you to have a great time. Well, here's what you know. A year from now, you'll be looking back on the moment and be like, that was interesting time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I trust that you'll be in wedded bliss. Yep. And that you will be on to this next chapter of, of your life. This is helpful. I feel like I now have something that I feel like I can do. Good. In terms of just breaking that elephant in the room feeling. Right. Thank you guys so much for your help. Thank you, Angela. All the best, Angela. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. You're excellent, Dulé. That was great advice. Oh, thanks. And it's important to hear this from a man. Mm, I hear that. Uh-huh. Do you collect anything? I really don't. I used to collect like these coins from like different army bases. Oh. I guess I still have them. I'm not as active in my collection. Wait, were you in the military? I sometimes miss things in my exhaustive research. I'm not one of them. <laughs> I'm not one of them. My brother was in the military, though. One of my cousins was in Operation Desert Storm. My other cousin was in the Marines. So I have connections to the military. But I, myself, have only gone to the military bases to support troops. Like years ago, I went to the DMZ in South Korea. For that, I was playing basketball. Not well, but played basketball. It was a USO tour. I'm always down to support our troops because I know that I can't do what I've been blessed to do without them doing what they've been blessed to do. And I really appreciate them so very much. This is the complicating element of patriotism. I'm so with you. Mm -hmm. I'm in awe of extreme loyalty and belief. 
Yeah, extreme. That's the danger to me of any patriotism, any fundamentalism. The extreme of it is the challenge, even in terms of our society. But years ago, Madam Albright? Yes, Madeline Albright. Yes. She came to the set of the West Wing when we were in D.C., which is completely surreal because a few months before I was looking for a job. And now I go back to Video Village and there's Madeline Albright sitting there. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, Madam Secretary, so nice to meet you. I never forget, I asked her about divisiveness of government. And she said, long story short, a plane that only has one wing cannot fly. So you need the left wing and you need the right wing for a plane to fly. And I look at America as a beautiful plane that is going towards her destination and they need both to fly. But the thing about a plane is balance. And most of the weight is in the middle. All the people are in the middle. That's not the extremes. If we all were on the left wing or all were on the right wing, to the edge of it all, to the extremes of it, it wouldn't be able to fly. And so, as you said, extreme, that came to my head of that's the issue. The issue is not you and I have different beliefs. The issue is when either one of our beliefs get to the extreme, because then we can't have a conversation to see, okay, what works best for everyone? That's really how I feel this nation should be governed overall, away from the extremes. And that's why your show is important. We need the historical context, sometimes fed to us through an entertaining... An entertaining way to see how experiences can be different for other people. For myself, I know that this country has always been flawed. Yes, beautiful. Yes, great, but flawed. This country has to continue to work on herself to be the best version of herself if she's going to truly be all that she proclaims to be. Yeah. Being a Black man in America, knowing that people who look like me, when all this stuff was written, was not even considered a full being. That lets me know that there are flaws in the original foundation of things. And we have to keep looking at it and say, how do we improve on this? Just because it was written back then doesn't mean it's applicable today because back then I was not even considered a full human being. So you're telling me that that is the perfect document? I call bullshit. 100%. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But until you look through a different lens, you don't always notice that. I read an article the other day where someone said, if you have made it this far without getting COVID, it shows that you have some level of privilege. Oh my God, totally. I hadn't really thought about it, but it's like, it's true because I can get all the masks that I need. I can get access to the vaccine. I can social distance. I don't need to be around people if I don't want to. That has a lot to do with me catching COVID. I'm with you. Like I realized maybe like six months ago that when I self-describe as a homebody, I'm like, of course I can be a homebody. Exactly. You know, but until someone can let you see from a different lens, you don't often think about it. Right. Going back to even the Wonder Years, that's why I think it's important that we're reimagining the show and sharing this experience of the same time from a different point of view. That's right. I think audiences will see what's familiar and connect to those things, but also see how experiences can be a little different. We need nostalgia sometimes. We need that complicated sentiment to remind ourselves of our humanity. Right. And how just because this is this way for me doesn't mean it's the same way for you. That's what I think we miss so much in this country, especially now going even to the whole Roe v. Wade of it all. We're legislating from positions that don't really have much to do with us. All of these men legislating about what a woman can do with her body. Do you really think that people just lightly are saying, oh, yeah, I'll just go and do this? It's a complicated issue for people. And these are the same people that want to have the government to stay out of our lives. So I'm like, wait a second. You want the government to stay out of your lives and you always talk about freedom and individual rights, but you don't want to give a woman her individual right to navigate a complicated crossroads, a decision for herself? Come on, man. And then providing like zero resource. And then providing zero resources. I read something the other day when they were doing the stimulus, they weren't counting women who were pregnant as two lives. They should get double the stimulus. Right, exactly. So I don't understand what's happening here. Like it's got to be one way or the other. I am 100% with you.
Okay, now we're going to talk with Monica. Hey, Monica. Hello, Monica. Hi. Monica, will you please let us know what's going on? Yeah, sure. So for the past 10 years, my husband and I dealt with infertility. And then we finally decided that it was just the best thing for us to stop and just live a life child-free. And that's been amazing this past year doing that, except for family and friends who have children. And wonder why you chose a life without carpools and long debates on the benefits of showers and teeth brushing. Yes, that. But also, I feel like that is the main topic of conversation for my friends. I understand children are a big part of their lives, and I don't want to diminish that, but that's what they want to talk about all the time. And that's not necessarily what I want to talk about all the time. I don't want to hurt their feelings, and I'm not really sure how to approach this topic with them that maybe we can continue to, you know, have fun like the way we used to. I mean, obviously we can't do everything like we used to, but at least not have everything revolve around the children. Essentially your question is like, how do I have some adult time with (laughs) my friends that have kids? But you did tell us about the struggles with fertility. I've been on both sides of the coin. I was late to the party in terms of having children of my own. I've gone through challenges of having children so I can relate to you in certain aspects of that. Like, I remember one time I was having dinner with two of my friends who had children at the time. And they showed me the pictures. and like, yeah, man. So, you know, we went to this thing and there was horses. And look, man, she's sitting on my lap and boom, boom. And I was like, like, what are we talking about here? It's three dudes. And you over here show me pictures of your kids and whatnot. Like, come on, man. You know, so I, I can relate to that. But also now, having my own family, I can see how that takes up so much of the bandwidth. I don't know if I necessarily have the answer because life does change, life does evolve. Something I've been going through myself is to keep looking forward, not trying to hold on to what was. Mm -hmm. Because when I keep trying to hold on to what was, that is what frustrates me. When I stay open to what is new and keep evolving, it gives me joy and allows me to keep growing, really. What about making some new friends? Definitely, I think you need to expand your friend group because... It's going to be hard for your friends who have children to still do things that they did before they had children. I don't know how old the children are, but as the children get older, then they will start to have that bandwidth. But right now, their bandwidth is being stretched. You do need to add on friends, expand the group. My husband, he's like, oh, it's not a big deal. Just find other friends. And so I put myself out there trying to find other friends and joined like a book club for some of the women in my neighborhood. I read the book, went to the book club, and they spent the entire time talking about their children. Oh, God. I feel like I just don't belong in a lot of circles right now. And it's weird because I'm 37 and it's like everybody's in the thick of the children right now. So it's hard to even find people that are in my same situation or even have children but want to just do something that doesn't involve children. Have you always been the kind of person that has a large circle of friends or a small circle of friends? Small circle of friends. Me too. I want you to find friends that take into consideration that decade. Mm -hmm. That was Mm -hmm. a decade of struggle. And I know that that's part of the undercurrent here. Not only are your conversations boring because they're about small children, (laughs) but because you're a generous person you're probably never mentioning it. And so, of course, they're not considerate about it. Exactly. And I think one of the hardest parts for me right now is some of my best friends who have been through the infertility journey with me for the past few years 
when I decided to stop, they decided to continue on with IVF and just recently found out that they're pregnant with twins. Oh, that's great, but that's got to be hard for you. It's wonderful and I'm very happy and I want to celebrate with them. I know. But the calls have become less frequent now, right? Now all of a sudden, all of the conversations about whenever my friend would say, I'm not really comfortable going to this baby shower. So-and-so, all she wants to do is talk about her kids. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's right of me to say, well, what about my feelings? You know how I feel because I want her to be happy. And this is exciting. Of course. It's like feeling a little bit left behind all those things, like truly why I thought about my extreme envy towards people, like as I was going into the NICU, like the parents that were walking out with their baby, it felt raw. And I recognized it as childish, but I felt it. I've definitely felt that. I think it all kind of came to a point last year when I hit the 10-year mark. Yeah. Yeah. And at that time, my sister and my sister-in-law We're giving birth. Oh, God. (laughs) I think I just started to get angry and resentful and I started to pull away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm typically very close to my family. And so that was hard. And so I started going to therapy because I was like, I don't want to hurt these relationships. And I feel like I can be with them now without having those kinds of feelings. But I think now my feelings are more like, okay, I don't need to FaceTime with your child every single day. Right. And so, like I said, I feel bad because I understand that's their life. Like I understand that's where their focus is. And I don't think I should be the one that should have their focus, but also I just feel kind of left behind, I guess. 100%. The comparison thing is real. Oh yeah. And I think you need to know You are perfect exactly where you are. The journey that you are going is your own unique journey. And there is so many joys and experiences that you are going to have because of the choice that you and your partner have made. And everyone's race is not the same. It's just owning that and being okay with that. And as life is evolving, it will evolve. Some people are in your life for a season. Not necessarily do I need to be interacting with all these friends all the time. My friend group can expand. I still love you. But our paths are going in different ways and I'm not getting what I need out of these relationships. So I might need to expand my relationships a little bit so that I can get what I need. And then we'll meet somewhere in the middle when we can. Yeah, I think that you have to find friends that you have a new commonality with. This is out of left field, maybe, although I bet you get asked it a lot. The adoption question. (laughs) Yeah, that's always the question. And I just, I don't know. Yeah. I commend you for your strength. You were going through the acceptance of this decision mm-hmm. while people close to you were giving birth. And we're going through a pandemic. Well, so that's the other hard part, right? Is now that we're, you know, trying to finally get out of the house and do things. Everybody wants to bring their kids and it needs to be a kid-friendly place that we go to. And everything needs to, you know, revolve around nap schedules and I don't mind doing that sometimes, but I don't want to do it all the time. I think you can, like in a loving way, challenge your friends to be able to, let's go do lunch. Start in baby steps, for lack of better words. Let's go and do this without the kids. My brother, he gets together with his friends one night a month and they have cigars and they all have families and this and that. That's fun. It's setting one time, one day a month, and we'll have a little text group and we'll figure out what day works for everybody and we'll set it in and we'll do one night a month, one day a month where we go and do our thing. 
at least then it's something. You're getting something along the way. And I think as time goes on, you'll be able to do that more. But it is challenging. I'm not going to lie to you. I love that idea. And I think you can do that and make new friends that maybe have more time for you, whose identity right now isn't just motherhood. Mm -hmm. That was such a struggle for me to like shift into that. I'm just wondering if there's another resource besides a neighborhood book club, like something where you could have some friends that don't have kids. Yeah, that's the hard part. I live in a small college town where it's either college students or quite older people who kids are grown up and out of the house or all these people with children. You should know that I believe that you are really generous, especially in that kind of community. You probably get asked by most new people in your life about kids. Oh, yes. I don't know if people romanticize it. They describe it in this like healing way as though you're not complete unless you go through the experience of Mm -hmm. being a mom and having a child. And I'm here to tell you that that is a falsehood. That's good to know because I've worked so hard to see myself as more than just a potential mom. Right. And like I said, that's been so good for me. I guess I want to find other people that are kind of in a space that are willing to see and do things other than just being a parent. Yeah. Do you think I should tell my friends and family whenever they start going on and on about what their kid had for breakfast or whatever it is that they're telling me about? I mean, is it appropriate to change the conversation? I'm worried that they will say behind your back, oh, Monica's really upset. You know what I mean? Yeah. To them, it will feel unreasonable. They know what's happened with you, Mm -hmm. but they're not thinking about it all the time. Does that feel awful that I told you to maybe not say anything? It doesn't feel awful. And that's what I was thinking, because I don't know if it would change. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And I don't think they should take focus away from their children. I don't believe that. I don't think they'll get it. They're not in a place where they can hear it right now. Yes. What about spending some time with your husband? Can you maybe take a trip together? We had talked about the possibility this summer. Where would you go? What's funny is his work talked about sending him to Italy in July. And I was like, I think I might need to go along with you. Yes. Yes, you do. Have you been before? No, I haven't. I crave it. I studied, I backpacked, I did the whole thing. I'm in love with Italy. And I think it is the perfect place for you to have this new center of focus in life. I love the idea of you getting some guidebooks. I think it'd be really good for you. Oh, yes. Just shifting the focus. Thank you so much for talking with us, Monica. Thank you so much. Nice to meet you, Monica. Nice to meet you. Thank you. You are so wise and wonderful. I just couldn't love you more. I just so appreciate your time. My pleasure. My pleasure. Bye, Dulé. 